Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode, another edition of the three questions with Andy Richter. Uh, I'm Andy Richter, so remember this voice because that's who I'll be throughout the entire thing. <laughs> and uh, I am lucky enough to talk to a very funny woman who I don't I don't know that we've ever met. I don't think we ever have, have we? Uh, no, I would have remembered. I, I, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a shallow Hollywood phony, but I probably wouldn't have because I meet <laughs> lots and lots of famous people all the time. Here in you Burbank. Um, no, I really have. It is it is a weird situation to be in where you're like, you know, like Robin Thicke. Do I just know about Robin Thicke or have I met Robin Thicke? You know, like things like that where it's. Why I, would you choose Robin Thicke? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just what came to mind. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I'm talking to Amber Ruffin. That's who I'm talking to. <laughs> Uh, she's obviously in her office because I recognize that uh, radiator over by the window, that old timey <laughs> radiator. That's Rockefeller oh, yeah. Center. Yeah, you've been here, buddy. I have. I have. How isn't it fun to work in that building? Doesn't it feel like a, you're a big time showbiz grown up when you do that? It really does. Nothing is better than freaking um, like hurrying down the hallway and you have your sketch on your um, what is this uh, iPad. On your and iPad, tablet. and you're yeah, like yeah. making changes on the fly. It's the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. Or you mean clipboard? Clipboard. Yeah, clipboard. Um, yeah. Now, uh, what what night do you guys tape your show? We tape Rough and Show on Fridays at one forty five. Okay. We tape Late Night with Seth Meyers Monday through Thursday at four p.m. Okay. So you're still working full time for Seth, or are you just doing a case? Yeah. Oh my God, that's not We're doing fair. All of Some of us don't even have jobs <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, now, how did, I mean, how come you wrangled that sort of deal? Did you, was it just because you're under the same kind of production umbrella and they're like. Yeah, they produce my show. Yeah, yeah. And Seth like, you, you don't you don't just get your own show and you can't focus on your own show. Seth Myers is like, no, you, st I still, you're still mine. <laughs> Look, late night with Seth Myers is so easy. I could do a third show. 
<laughs> oh, what a dicky thing to say. <laughs> People out here wanting just something, anything. You're like, I can do a third show. Uh, and aren't you like writing a play or something too on the side? I'm writing a Broadway musical too. Yeah. Oh my god. And that from my. the future, that will prove the bridge too far. <laughs> that, that was where I yeah. got, my eyes got too big for my stomach. Why do you think your parents didn't pay enough attention to you? Thank you for asking. I'm the youngest mm. of five. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Was never but aren't happen. you aren't you gonna aren't you though the baby then? I mean, you know, of course I'm joking about you know the needing attention, but uh, but um, I am the baby, and that means just leave the baby alone. Let her do what she feels like doing. <laughs> That's what the being the baby gets. You. I know, like, I know. No yeah. one's gonna beat you up or make right. fun of you, and you're only allowed to talk to me like this. And that's how I became terrible. <laughs> I was truly babied within an inch of my life. Are in, in like I don't know how much I believe in all the birth order stuff, but like who who do you think is the most healthy of your siblings? And there's is there five? Is that what it is? I'm the youngest of five. Wow. Yeah. The healthiest of my siblings is the middle child, actually. Really? Yeah. Lacey is my sister is the middle child, and she's the only normal person the Ruffins have to offer. <laughs> and you can tell my siblings I said it. They know. <laughs> Don't tell them I said it. Why is that? Do you, you think, did she have kind of the classic sort of taking care of everybody kind of middle child? Or was she also, was she kind of left alone too and able to form herself? I think she was left alone too. Well, no, they... She did a really good job and she got really good grades. She did very well. Yeah. And then she was also like very kind and nice. Mm. Whereas the rest of us are kind of like, maybe not, but a lot of us are like rowdy. Like I'm kind of rowdy. Yeah. Like if I'm talking to you and you say something funny, I'm going to grab your arm and then shake like rowdy. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Like a like, like a like a rodeo cowboy. Um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I get in a barrel, I taunt a bull, and then whatever happens, Woo! happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, because I do think I do think the younger kid does get the benefit of in some ways it, it seems counterintuitive, but I think it's the least stressed parents. Because by this point, they've they know you're not going to die. You know, like they know you're, they're not going to kill you. Cause when you have a baby, that's, you're just afraid you're going to, this thing's going to die. You're going to, you know, because it seems so helpless and so little and you think, Oh my God. And then after a couple of them, you're like, Oh no, no, these things, they live, you know, feed them, you put them somewhere, you know, keep them from making too much noise. And yeah, and they'll be fine. (laughs) Now, where, Uh, where did you grow up? I, 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 I know I saw it, but. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, that's right. You're a, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Illinois. I grew up in uh, central northern Illinois, a town called Yorkville, which is about 70 miles west of Chicago. And which, then you did Chicago. And then I went into Chicago. Yeah, like you did too. Yeah, because that yeah. was kind of, you know, it was the closest draw. I got, I mean, you actually got pulled to Chicago. I just was in Chicago. And that's so, cool. yeah, I mean, my first improv class, which I took, I was working in film production 
uh, because I'd gone to film school in Chicago. I started at University of Illinois in a you know, Big Ten school down there. Oh. And uh, I went there two years and then I decided I wanted to do film school and I couldn't afford New York or Los Angeles to big fancy film school. So I went to Columbia College, which at the time had what they called, <laughs> they actually referred to it in the literature as a liberal admissions policy, which meant if you can get a Pell Grant, come on in, you know, <laughs> you don't need to read that well. It's no problem, you know. Um, and I think it's much, it's much more legit now. Like it used to be uh, like three buildings in the South Loop. And now it's like the entire South Loop is Columbia College. Yeah. Um, but I had a, I got a good education. I got a very kind of practical film education and I left there and worked in film production and learned more on two weeks of working on commercials than I did at two years of film school, as yeah. it always is the case. Um, and then I just I wanted to perform and I started taking improv classes at I.O. And in my first improv class, I sat next to a kid that was had moved there from Phoenix because he wanted to be on SNL. And I was like, what? This is like a fun Saturday morning thing for me. What? <laughs> I, I was, it was kind of daunting in a way, you know, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I was glad. Cause I don't, I don't know if I'd been in, in Omaha. I don't know if I would have, you know, had the nerve to, to leave. I mean, I left Yorkville to move to Chicago, but so I don't know, but, but yeah, that was probably, I mean, how did you, did you expect to be in Omaha? Like when you were a kid, did you think I'm going to be here? Yeah, absolutely. I thought I was yeah. going to live in Omaha forever. Yeah. And I was going to um, deliver the mail. That was really? what I thought. Really? Yeah. Why, why that? Because it's like a the, job. Like the uniform? I know. I, I just love a good, <laughs> <laughs> I love a good khaki short. Yeah, a sensible um, walking shoe. Sensible walking shoe. A pith helmet? Are those hats they wear? <laughs> I'm not sure what the hat is. I bet you got to bring those from home. I don't think they provide you with pith helmets. <laughs> I think you get a safari helmet. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, but no, I really thought I was going to work at that. And I was like, I will work in the day. And then at night, I'll be, you know, the part of the chorus in whatever musical is downtown. Andy, I couldn't even imagine getting a speaking role oh my goodness. In, in downtown Omaha, Nebraska. That's how never going to leave I was. Wow. I was never going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I did not see it. And then, and it was, it, what, I, well, first of all, you had the urge to get on stage, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you were that much of an extrovert was, was that something that had older siblings done that? Or was that just something that you pushed for yourself? That kind of just happened to me because in when I was in kindergarten, I could read. And when you did shows at school, you like read a thing. Hey, I'm I'm a, you know, a pilgrim and I arrived at this time and Thanksgiving is the time. So, you know, yeah, the yeah. kid has to read it. So I was always the, the star. person because yeah. I could read. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's the only time it's ever come handy. And I would do that. And then at, in uh, church, I was learning how to play the piano. I'd had two lessons. And then the lady who was teaching me, um, for some reason, could not be the piano player anymore. 
Now, I think she did something the church didn't like, so they oh, made her stop. Wow. But I have no proof of that. Right. But I'm just saying that's the rumor. So then I just had to <laughs> well, well, figure what was, out. Did anyone have an idea of what the rumor was? Like rumor was she cheated <gasps> on her husband. Oh, that's the rumor. Like yeah. that's like that's ever really a problem at church, you know? I, I mean, that must have they, been a pretty. I mean, come on. You can't play the piano anymore. You cheated on your. <laughs> that makes no earthly sense. But okay. <laughs> I mean, she's still there. I'm right, right, it. right. Um. So then I just had to figure out how to play the piano, and I had to figure out how to tell people what to sing, and then I had to. Then that evolved into me leading praise and worship. Yeah. Every Sunday. And then I just, I really never sat and thought about this, but it was, it didn't, it wasn't a thing I was after. It was a thing I was pushed into every, oh, wow. everywhere. Yeah. And was, what age were you, did you become the church soloist? 1991. And so I was, oh no, I was not yet born because I'm so young. <laughs> no, I think I was. Wow. Those little hands favorite? reaching out of your mother at the keyboard. <laughs> And that and the other woman was a problem. <laughs> your mother was in stirrup in, in stirrups in front of the piano. I think that makes me twelve. <laughs> well, twelve. That's Jesus, 12. that's yeah. that is like because church is church is a show, you know. Church yeah. is theater. That's I always, you know. I mean, because I was involved in our church too. Um, you know, always being uh, unencumbered by a belief in God, but still <laughs> enjoying, <laughs> enjoying like the whole, you know, community aspect of it and all the different stuff you'd get to do. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends were, were involved in the, their families went to this church and, and, you know, I was even like a, the youth deacon and stuff. So, yeah. And my brother would say to me, you don't even believe in God. And I'm like, yeah, what's that got to do with anything? You know, like, <laughs> you know, you can belong to any club you want. Yeah. Um, well, so so then that just sort of evolved and you just kind of found yourself and you just kind of had to learn to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do it was you very, think, very fun. Do you think that that kind of mechanism of being like, here, you go do this, um, helped you in the sort of the the being in the daunting position of launching your own show? Yes. Like, I feel like all those things happened to me because I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. I'll, yeah. You know, there are those t-shirts that say, fuck it, I'll do it. And then it's credited black women. And that's kind of like, <laughs> the whole, the whole, like well, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one else. Is gonna, I might as right, well take right. care of this. I bet you I could. Um, so it is like that. And it is like, well, I wrote this thing yesterday. We got to do it tomorrow. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> let me just <laughs> let me just slap together some choreography. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get We're it. It's always cute. I always mess. said, like the Conan show, it was a a train that you're laying tracks for, and you can hear it. It's coming, <laughs> you know, and you're laying tracks. So it's like you don't have time. Like no. to worry about it, you just got to get them laid and get on, you know, and move on, and yeah, and and never, you know, early on, Conan would have we'd have a bad show, and Conan would freak out, and I would say, you know, because actually, because when we started, I kind of had more stage time than he did when we start when we started doing the show, because he had done the Groundlings, but I had done, 
Improv Olympic and Annoyance Theater and done, you know, just had more stage time. Um, and he would freak out and be like, oh, my God, that show is awful. And I'd be like, yep, it's a shame we don't get to do another one, you know. Oh. And then he like nine months later or 10 months later, I don't know, a year later, he said to me one time, he goes like, you know, it's like that was not a great show. But I always tell myself, well, we always get to do another one tomorrow. And I was like, I told you that. You didn't come up with that on your own. God damn it. I told you that. Um. Well, now you also did, Im you started doing improv as a kid too, right? Where's there, I, is there an Omaha improv scene? There was. You don't happen to know Fuzzy and Sean, do you? I do not. Um, there were some. Sounds like a children's show. Um, it is. The Adventures of Fuzzy and Sean. <laughs> no, Fuzzy and Sean were some improv guys in Chicago. And their third was a major in the Air Force, like an Air Force pilot. And he lived in Omaha because we have a big Air Force thing. Uh -huh. And he started a group, Matt Martin. And then we started improvising. And once we went to Chicago for Chicago Improv Festival, and I took a class from Sharna, the lady who runs Improv Olympic. Mm -hmm. And she said, if you move here, you'll have a job within a year. And then I did. And I did. I got oh, hired wow. at Boom Chicago. Yeah. Wow. That's that's one time Sharn has been right. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Sharn. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, well, th well, that's amazing. I mean, and how did your family react to that? Like, and had you been in college at that point, or I've never gone to college you for never, a minute. Wow. How old was I? Twenty-one. Oh wow! And why no college? Did you just it wasn't for you, or I? just never really considered it really i know that's awful but i'm just not like all my siblings did go to college but after like they were out in the world for a while and then they're like okay i gotta go to college and then everyone has gone oh, to college since but yeah yeah i don't know also no one's forcing me to do shit i'm the baby right, <gasps> i said right, shit right. that's oh, all right. how are we cussing on here? you can say whatever the fuck you want <gasps> fuck balls. Fuck, fuck shit. Yeah. Fuckity fuck, fuck. Um, yeah, that's, uh, well, that's good. I mean, like I have a, I have a younger brother who went to the Navy cause he wasn't sure if he wanted to go to college and like within five minutes of being in the Navy, he's like, I want to go to college. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think sometimes it does take that. Um, um, well, so how did how did your folks feel about I'm packing up and moving to Chicago and um they did not give two shits. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, they really didn't. Because at that point, my oldest sister used to live in Panama and my second oldest sister used to live in Namibia. Oh wow. So me going to Chicago from Omaha was nothing. And they were yeah, like, yeah, bye, yeah. you know. So it wasn't scary for them at all. Also, like, um, I have an aunt and an uncle who live in Chicago, so it didn't feel like I was out in the oh, middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That does help a lot. And yeah. did you stay with them when you first moved there? Or? No, I don't think I saw them once. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, fuck that. But I do remember it. <laughs> Like it did provide great comfort. Right. Just in there. case. Yeah. 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 I, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. You can show up on them. their 
show up on their door bloody and say like, I just committed a crime and I've come to implicate you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, what was it like going from Omaha to Chicago and and going, I mean, is this the first time that you really kind of seriously felt like, okay, I can do this for a living? Yeah. Yes. Well, first of all, it was my first time on a plane when I wow. went to Chicago. And then I took all those classes. Sharna let me intern. So uh-huh. I interned at IO and had just the freaking best time. And I would call my mom and be like, Mom, the lady I work for has me buying cheeseburgers and she's going to feed them to the dog. And we laugh and laugh. <laughs> yep, that sounds like Sharna. I am buying cheeseburgers for a dog. Um, it must be nice. This yeah, dog gets yeah. a cheeseburger every day. For me, it's just yep. it's a weekly. Um, fingers crossed, I have enough left over. have enough for um, cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm giving the cheeseburger to this right, dog. Right. Like, oh, enjoy it, buddy. Um, <laughs> but um, I forget what I was talking about. Well, we're, we're, I was just saying, was it, where, you know, what was it like to move there and was it daunting? And did you, you know, was this, how do you transfer, how do you go from Omaha to like, I'm going to make it in show business? I never, ever thought I'm going to make it in show business. I always thought if they'll pay me to be dicking around, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, and I never gave any thought to the next thing. I was always like, how can I? Day paid. <laughs> and that's it. Like, yeah, I certainly yeah. wasn't like making big moves. I still wasn't. I got this job at Seth and was like, okay, I'm just going to keep my head down and be quiet. And yeah. then they started putting me in things. And I was like, oh, okay. okay I better yeah, yeah. figure out how to do it like this then. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you, no, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, but I, I was just going to say, but it didn't. It was, that's the way to do it though. Like you had just said that your friend was like, I moved here from Phoenix to try to get on SNL. Like that was not my experience in Chicago. In Chicago to me, these people were like, we live and die on the stage and we're the blood brothers and blah, 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 like a bunch of hippies. Whereas out here in New York, people are like, look, I have goals. But in Chicago, it wasn't really like that. Were you in Chicago? Do you feel like people were like, I'm doing this as a stepping stone to the next thing? Or were people like, oh, well. There were some that had that vibe and might even overtly say things like that. And uh, everyone sort of rolled their eyes about it. You know what I mean? Like they were the ones like they were the ones that sort of. Like we had a we had a splinter group that we took off from Sharna at one point called the comedy underground. And, uh, it was very, it was a very, it was a scandal. Uh, <laughs> Sharna, the improv Olympic was, is at that time it was in the, there's a, I don't know if it's still, uh, it was called Papa Milano and it was a restaurant, an Italian restaurant that was on Lincoln. And I don't remember the cross street, but it was like one of those wedge, you know how like the cross yeah. was diagonal. It was like a wedge building and above, mm-hmm. above was, was a Italian restaurant. And then below was kind of like a bar party space. And Sharna, that was, that was where the improv Olympic was. And I was not, I was just a, 
co-conspirator. I wasn't like one of the, you know, connivers, but we split off. There was like, we were having these secret meetings, like, let's, let's, you know, let's start our own thing. Cause it was kind of, you know, we'd have gotten experience under our belt. And wait, so you didn't misspeak. That's where IO was. Yes. It was in the basement of an Italian restaurant. Oh, and I didn't I, know that. When I first started, it was in the uh, second floor of an Italian restaurant. It had a lot on Well Street, a restaurant called Chow. She didn't Whoa. have her own building until after I left town. It Whoa. Was, it was always, oh no, actually when it started, it was above a blues club off of Belmont called uh, uh, Cotton Chicago. James Cotton had a blues club and it was in the top, top floor there was where she was doing classes and doing shows. I think there was a downstairs space that she'd get that she would do shows at, but it would have to be split with blues acts, you know. And and then it went from there to down to Well Street, and then after that it went to this other she was always looking for a space and always getting kicked out and you know. Whoa. And then and then we uh these two guys were friends with these two brothers that ran, you know, in like classic Italian Chicago restaurant owner brothers. They got chummy with them and they kicked Sharna out and we moved into that spot. So we, we made Sharna homeless, which was like, it was, it was, it didn't feel great, but you know, it was like one of those first lessons and kind of like, well, it's going to happen anyway. Like these guys, you know, cause these brothers had made it clear, like, no, we're going to get rid of Sharna no matter what. So it was like, well, okay, then we'll take over this space. Which it didn't last very long anyway. And actually a couple, these same two guys, after a short time of of being there, had decided that we hadn't progressed enough and we needed to dissolve the group. Oh. Yeah. And which we were, everyone was like, we, no one else here felt that way. And, and it was actually me and I was always the youngest. So it was like, I, it was one of my first, one of the first times of really stepping out you know, in front of the a group and saying, I don't, and everyone, you know, they're also fucking passive. They're like, okay, I guess if this is the way it is. And then I went like, wait a minute, what? I got nothing else to do. Like, this is fun. I love doing this and it's good work. And we really were, it was like the best improv I ever did. It was, you know, Aww. like the, those magical times when you, stuff comes out of your mouth and you don't even know where it's coming from. Like you surprise yourself with like, holy shit, that was a good one. I don't even, I don't even, I don't remember thinking of that. It just came out. Um, and the two guys that were trying to dissolve it were pissed because then I sort of swayed everyone. Cause the, you know, the other guys who had been like, yeah, I guess we should break up. We're like, no, you know what? I guess we should stay together. You know, like just so infuriating, <laughs> like improv guy, you know? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Ending everything. Um, and, and so we stayed together for a little while, but then it all, you know, kind of fell apart. And those, but like those, those two, those guys were two guys that were totally like open about their ambition to be something and do something. And, and I just didn't, I was like, I don't know. It just, I'm, I'm like you, I was like, I can't even conceive. Well, first of all, for me to say like, I want to be on SNL just seemed like the, oh my God, what get a load of big shot over here thinking that he can just will himself on TV, you know, just kind of Midwestern, like, eh, take it easy, buddy. And I, and I also wasn't even like, I'm like, I don't know. Is that what I'm going to do? I, you know, I, I 
think I also thought like, I'll probably just end up writing ad copy because it was Chicago. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, I, I just, I'm the same thing. I just kind of went from opportunity to opportunity of like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And okay, yeah, I'll do that. And, you know, and I never really, and I didn't have any concrete plan, you know, but I didn't get my own show in Rockefeller <laughs> Center. I had to latch on to somebody else. You had to be his anchor. Uh, what um, studio were you guys in? We were in um, 6A. Yeah. Which is where, is that's where Seth is now, right? Or is no, that where we're Fal- at studio, we're right next to SNL on 8. Oh, Fallon right. is Studio 6B. You had Studio 6A, which is where, which is the one that changes all the a time. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we were there, we were in 6A and across the hall was live at five was like the news. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and so we would, we, we shared all kinds of space with like, you know, like the news anchors became like our buddies, like, Oh, Hey, oh. hi there. Chuck Scarborough and, uh, <laughs> uh, Sue Smith, I think was her name. Um, but yeah, but, and when we started working there too, people could smoke. You'd see like people running down the hall with tapes to put in the local news, smoking cigarettes, running down the hall. It was, it felt very Lou Grant, very kind of Mary Tyler Moorish being there. That's um, so cool. Yeah. It and still I, I feels that way. Does it? Yes. It's, I can't, it's amazing to me just the stuff that like, that building is so, when you think about like all the cables running around in that building, like from one studio to another, and there'd be times when something be edited late and they would have to roll it from the edit room and like, you know, like how I just, the, the technology involved and just like the most complicated AV setup ever. And it's all in that building. Yeah. In fact, some of those wires caught fire. Some of those cables caught fire once and we had to do our show outdoors for a couple. Really? Of- yeah. Yeah. We had to, yeah, we had to, we ended up doing the show um, out by the ice skating rink and it was like late fall. And uh, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson gave me a foot massage. I remember. I will always what? remember that night for that. I don't know. It just happened. I, it was, it's like a dream. I still think of it. Just get all giddy. <laughs> Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. 
Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Can't you tell my love's a growing? <laughs> you, you were in, uh, you did what a lot of people, I mean, what a number of notables have done. Including, I think, Seth. Didn't Seth do Amsterdam or was it his brother yep. that did? Seth did Amsterdam, yeah. yeah. Boom Chicago is like a a place you, that you go when you do improv in Chicago and you realize I'm not going to make him enough money here. I go to <laughs> Amsterdam and make some money there doing improv. And and what was that like? Boom Chicago was the freaking best. Like we would, you know, we had like a regular 300 seat theater, like in the heart of Amsterdam, huge. Um, and it was like, back when I was there, being there was kind of a big deal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if you said, I work at Boom Chicago, people would go, oh, are you an actor? Oh, you know. In Amsterdam <laughs> or you mean anywhere? Yeah. Oh, nowhere else <laughs> in the world. Yeah. But and did yeah, you- people cared a little. Did they recruit you or did you like apply and try and get in? Yep. Every year they would go to L.A., New York and Chicago and audition people. Yeah. And I auditioned in Chicago and got it and was there for two years. And it was just like the first I'm going to say like year and three months was just horrible. <laughs> it was the, horrible. The early part of it? Job. Yep. I did oh, a wow. bad job. I had a horrible time. I did not like it. But I I was eating a full dinner every night. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah love dinner, being able to eat. When, when you're hungry, dinner hits the spot. That's for sure. Every mm-hmm. night. <laughs> so, yeah. We, yeah, I just had a very bad time. And I was like, the, the vibe wasn't good. It was a bad vibe then. It was a bad vibe time. And then... It just, everything changed and like the actors changed and then it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. I mean, it was always the most fun, but during the shows I would be like, oh, I'm doing a bad job. But uh, then when it got good and I got good at the job, I was like, there will never be anything this fun. So then I left and I did, I called, um, I called Second City on the telephone and mm-hmm. asked for a job and they gave me a job oh, at wow. second city denver okay so i had just visited second city and i did you know how you can sit on the bench in chicago and then do the uh set after the show you could yeah, perform. Yeah. the day i went martin short was there so all of the people who make decisions at second city were also there Martin Short, I was like, oh, well, I don't get to do the set because Martin Short's here, but it's cool. I get to see Martin Short. Martin Short did not want to do the set. So I got to do the set. And it in was front like of everybody yeah. in front of everyone. And it was yeah. like Slumdog Millionaire. They the only suggestions were things I just so happened to know everything about. Like it was like sign language, gymnastics and like. One was spark plugs, and I just so happen to know 
where a spark plug is and how to install a new one. (laughs) I was like, these people must think I'm a genius. I only know four things. And you shouted out three of them. (laughs) It was the best. It was the best. I slumdog millionaire. It was like, that was a fucking excellent set. And it was. And then when I called, they were like, yes, actually, you can have a job. We're creating a second city Denver. So then I did second city Denver for a year, more than that too. I don't know. And then we did, uh, we existed and it was great. And then I was like, okay, I'm going back to boom Chicago. And they were like, no, no, no. Will you do main stage? And I was like, Oh yeah, great. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You should have said that. Yeah. Um, So then I did, but they were like, come back and tour. I was like, but I am hungry for food yeah. and Turco is yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. So that I did. I don't want to live in a van because that's, yeah, I don't want to live in a van. Yeah. Sure. I know, but I do feel like I did miss Turco, but at, so I, then I did uh main stage for two years. Then I went back to boom, Chicago, boom, Chicago. You do a lot of tour shows. Like uh-huh. there's, enough actors to do two corporate shows while and one home show so you were always doing all of them yeah so we'd be like hey um welcome to brussels shell oil now here's a a special song that goes out to barry jenkins he's one crazy ceo and you'd have to do that like four times a week you would have to do that and it was the best because you never knew what was going to happen like, yeah. Sometimes you step out, you know, you step out and they, you can feel the hate. Yeah. They just hate that you're talking yeah. when all they want to like do a, is have a beer. An indifference that's like aggressive. About <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Like how you can like actively not care about them, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, we performed shows all, literally all over Europe, everywhere. Wow. And it was the most fun because sometimes you would know the sketch. Sometimes you didn't look at it enough. Sometimes you would have to get there and they'd be like, we don't like the sketch. And you'd have to be like, oh my God. So you'd have to change the sketch, learn it and then do it. So it really like, I, you'll never feel uncomfortable again after doing a show like that. And most of it's improv. You'll never feel uncomfortable on a stage. So we completely agree. Yeah. And then you go and you perform with other adults and then you see how they act. And it's like, oh, you've never been unprepared in your life. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, that's yeah, yeah. like, I'm sure it feels great, but it's not good for you. No. We call it cowboying it. Yeah, Just like, yeah. hey, buddy, get out there and cowboy it. And if you haven't had to do that, you sh- you should. Yeah. Yeah, because you really it, there it it you get like a you get a ner you know you get nerves or whatever word you know balls or you know chutzpah you get yeah. like this kind of which isn't like it's not a swagger necessarily it's just sort of like oh no no I can you know it's like I don't know <laughs> it is like sort of a low level trauma <laughs> and <laughs> trauma. You know, you can't, you, trauma does, once you kind of live with trauma on a regular basis, 
you get, you know, your shit gets together and you're like, all right, you know, this is nothing. I'll, I can handle this, you know. Yeah. You know, I can be a low level. It is. It's like, oh, God, it's like an entire room full of people hating you. That sucks. You know, I mean, the hate, if there was a a better word for hate, I mean, when 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 the show starts, those bad shows, you what you feel then is hate. Then after you finished a whole hour, Mm -hmm. it's something deeper. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's people that hated you but that they hated you but that you hadn't taken an hour of their time now you've got those two things together <laughs> i also like i it. also want to ask do you, do you think that like sort of getting to do all of that work and getting all of that stage times out of the context of what is any you know in any way sort of relevant to showbiz here in the states don't do you think that that isn't that it's like another kind of version of you know a, a safe place to fail yes and yeah. that i think that's all it is like w- once you've had the worst possible show a human being can have then you wake up the next day and you have to do another show and then yeah. you realize oh none of this is anything so I might as well be balls out forever. And right. then then you the way you perform changes because, yeah. you know, the ultimately the only thing that's going to stick is how much fun you had. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So once you figure that out and it takes forever, to figure mm-hmm. out, I really do think you have to be all the way embarrassed to be a good performer. Like you have to have like if an audience didn't make you cry. And I don't know that I've ever cried, but I'm not the cryingest guy. But like if an audience has never really made you have a very sad day or two, Mm -hmm. then I don't know how good a performer you're going to be. You got to have a bad time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always I think it's it's similar to and this is something I didn't have to do until. uh, On the Conan show, we would occasionally do bits that were like fake nudity like you know like it'd be like yes. we're supposed to be naked but and it'd be pixeled out but we we'd be wearing what's called a dance belt which for people yep. don't know it's like a one strap jock strap it's a it's a waistband and then a center strap and a pouch and it's flesh colored, or at least it's caucasian flesh colored, the one that i had and the first time that i ever had to do you know like you get in you put that thing on and you get in a robe and then you go out onto a set and you're like oh (laughs) it's just like oh fuck you know and i and i mean you know it's like it's also that thing of where you know that your nudity is going to be comedy nudity (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like it's like it's funny that that guy thinks he should show that thing that body (laughs) you know like that that can only be a joke uh, you know, the vessel in which he exists, um, as opposed to, you know, like pretty people, it's like, it's not funny. Like their nudity is cool. And, and, I, but I always was struck by once the robe came off, it was done. It was like, Oh, I'm not going to get any more naked. You know, I'm not going to get any, any more revealed. So, Oh, I don't, you know, and then I would like, you know, probably do actionable things like, you know, 
put my leg up on somebody's chair and you know, just like, how's yeah. it going over here? You know, because, <laughs> you know, and it, was all, well. it was all family anyway. You know, we all knew each other at that point anyway. But um, but yeah, it's 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 it is. It's good to to be humiliated <laughs> if, it you really want, is. if you're going to do this, because that's always a risk. And you might as well. It's like, you know, it's it's like inoculation. It's like you're getting little doses of it where, you know to inoculate you against the big scales that you might get when you're, you know, doing your own show or something. Yeah. Now, um, according to my research, you married a Dutchman. Would you carry to defend that? I was drunk. Oh boy. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did. I just spent so much time in Holland. I spent a total of five years there. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not surprised who have it. Is like, your is your husband a comedian in any way or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a bummer. Uh, he oh, he is not funny. Real downer. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's actually a painter. Oh wow. He married a Dutch painter. Wow. And he paints beautiful paintings. Uh-huh. Uh but he is I mean, he's hilarious, but when I married him, he was absolutely not funny. Like, it just wasn't. And also, I was doing comedy every minute of every day, and every night I had a show no matter what. It was constant. Yeah. So, I didn't need him to be funny, but I saw that he felt like he was funny, and I was like, I think that's cute. Then, over, we've been together 10 years. And now I understand the man is hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's just when we first got together, my Dutch wasn't good enough I to see. understand the structure of the jokes. Yes, and yes. now I understand very clearly. He's absolutely hilarious. I just needed to understand the nuances of Dutch yeah, in order to get it. And now, you know, in his language, he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and in English, it's pretty close to He's yeah. getting good. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. speak Dutch at home? Uh, you know, or is it, is it, a I never think we do, but then sometimes at the end of the day, I'll be like, I think we spent most of the day speaking Dutch. Wow. I think what happens a lot is he will speak Dutch and then I will respond in English. And then when we go out in public, we will both speak Dutch so that no one knows what we're talking about. Right. And then if we're around friends, then we speak English. Yeah. Friend, the friend should just let you speak. What a what a downer! Let you have your secret language together. You know, I love our friends. secret language. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's so cool to have a secret language. Uh huh. I bet it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Now and people you, hear you speak it and go, "Yeah," because Dutch doesn't sound good. Oh no, it it's sounds oh, bad. Oh, oh, oh. Truly, yeah. the ugliest language. The first time I I've been there just for vacation a couple of times, which I always find. I always found, because my ex-wife and I loved Amsterdam. Just, it's such a beautiful, relaxed town. And we were coming from New York City. And it was kind of like a pretty green New York City in that you go to a restaurant, you go have coffee, you hang out, you know, just like it's kind of a cafe kind of life. But so, you know, with the canals, it's just a gorgeous place. And it's very easy, too, because everybody speaks English. Um Every time here you go like, oh, we went to Amsterdam, people be like, oh, like, yeah. you know, like you're just like, yeah, to get high and go to the red light district, which 
I mean, like I, we walked, we walked not the length, but across the red light district once. And I was like, you no, thank you. No, thank you. This is, you know, nothing. The vibe is sex murder. workers, but yeah, it is. It's, the vibe is different. It's not yeah, what you think it's it going to be. It doesn't feel sexy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels, feels scary. Scary. It yeah. feels like you shouldn't be there for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but any, oh, but yeah, people are always like, oh, you know, Amsterdam is, it, but it's, uh, the, it's but, oh, so I, much I know, more. I know what, I know what I was, the first time when we first got there, we were staying at the Amstel Intercontinental, which is a nice hotel. And uh, I don't know if it's even still there, but. The Amstel but, Hotel, the big, gorgeous hotel on the river? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was on TV then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no kids yet either, so. But uh, it, it was, uh, I just, the taxi driver we got in, we said, uh, we're going to the Intercontinental Dams. And he went, I'm still intercontinental. And I was just like, oh my God, Dutch is just, it's like hawking up a loogie with every it's sentence. It's a bad time. Yeah. yeah it's bad. Did you, did yeah. you start learning it right away when you got there or did, was it kind of? Yeah, evolved? I'm a language yeah. guy. Oh, okay. I'm a language guy. I love languages. I love learning them. And I, really do think I'm good at it, but that might not be true. I think I might just be willing to sound like an idiot. Yeah. 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 But I really, they made us take Dutch classes. I think we are the only generation of boom Chicago who they made take Dutch classes. Oh, wow. We took it. It was super fun. I had a yeah. great time. I, I, I love would, a class. If I, yeah. If I, w- I would love to have an excuse to learn a different language and Cause that's the only way Don't I ever do Dutch. anything is if it's forced on me, you know? So, <laughs> um, um, so you, you can, I mean, you end up, you, you come back, you go to, is do you go to New York to work for Seth? Is that what it is? Uh, oh, I know. No. I remember, I remember you auditioned for SNL and then that's Seth true. saw you. Yeah. Yeah. But in between I went, we lived in, uh, LA for oh. two years. Uh huh. To try to make it. Right. It was horrible. <laughs> Terrible. Was it, it a question truly... between you and what's your, your husband's name? Jan. Between you, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it a was it a question between you and Jan whether you would be staying there in Amsterdam or whether you would, you know, whose career would take the lead or, you know, or because he can paint anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like, Yeah, let's do it. Okay, he cool. Didn't care. He's a pretty chill guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great so, jokes. You, uh, <laughs> so, so two years in L.A. and it just, yeah. It's not a bad it place to be broke. It was very sad. Though, you know? It's a, it's a great place to be broke. Yeah. It is. It is. But you have so much sunshine. And even though you have no money, your apartment is nice. Yeah. Compared to New York. Woo, Absolutely. You live in a little mansion. Yeah. It was great. I mean, I had a lovely time. And I was a part of this theater called, what were we called? The, uh, it's a theater called, oh, Sacred Fools. Yeah. Where it was like a writer's theater where you write most of your stuff and they put it up as the best. It was the best experience Mm -hmm. I could have got. For Um, what you do now, for sure, I bet. Yeah. Absolutely. But then we auditioned for SNL and then I did not get it. I very didn't get SNL. And then, and then. I got Seth. Because he was there, like, he was there hiding in the, lurking in the back, trying to poach people uh, from SNL auditions? 
look, I think I didn't get SNL. And he was like, oh, that's too bad. I'm going to give her this job so she doesn't cry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What a sucker. I was like, oh, no, I didn't get it. Like, okay, all right, come here. Um, But I did, there was like four, you know, how you audition and then you stay and then most of you go home. And there was four of us there. LaKendra, who went on to be a writer. Sashir Zameda, who got Mm -hmm. the job. Leslie Jones, who went on, who initially was a writer. And then me. And I'm the only one who didn't get SNL. Anything? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, even though you made it all the way to that point, because it was just the four of us for like three days. So it feels like I extra didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah. I think yeah. so too. I think you probably, yeah, you, um, I bet you have, I'm just guessing, but I bet you have a more pleasant existence than the people that are working on SNL because that's just, it seems like, like trying to, you know, like, uh, you know, trying to serve eggs in a dryer, you know, like, you know, you're constantly oh, tumbling around, you know, and you're trying to keep things precious and keep them together, you know. <laughs> Uh, why in a dry? I don't so know. Hot. I was thinking it's a tumbler, hot. some tumbling thing. It hurts. Um, <laughs> do you have siblings? I do. Did they put you in the dryer? No, I never got put in the dryer. I think. Well, oh. you know what? I think I got in one one once on my own, but like in college at a laundromat. So I can't really say it was like you know it was self imposed torture. <laughs> why did you get put in the dryer? Yeah, but I was game. <laughs> I got to know what happened. Yeah, all right. Hey, no problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I want, yeah. Maybe someday I'll go over and a, a waterfall and a wheel and a barrel and I want to know what that's like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I bet you. And also, I, I mean, it also just might be my perspective because doing a daily show in that building is, I mean, it's different. Like, People, when I was there, people would complain. Because when we started, we did 47 weeks a year, five days a week. Dang. Yeah, it was it was a lot, like right off the bat when we started. And then also to, to be constantly under fire. You know, like the people that put you on the ship then sit on the shore and shoot cannonballs at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but people at SNL would complain about how much work it was. And especially in the early days, we were so scared and we'd you know spend uh, just put so much comedy into the show early on because we didn't know any better and uh we would i would be just like shut up snl people you get the fucking summer off we get two weeks at the most and that's like once a year and 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 it's like and also but i did like that we couldn't be so precious about our stuff because it's got it you you got to get it out there, you know, and it's like every night you got to, you know, it's more like a diner than a fine, than fine dining. You just, just get the food out and it'll taste good. You know, I feel like everyone feels that way about their job. But when you say 48 weeks, my God, yeah, 47 47. is a lot. I know. I know. We have 14 weeks off at Seth. 14. I just think it's just a different time. It's just like they just, and, uh, you know, and I think that they were just like, they knew 
I mean, Conan was coming from nowhere. So I think they just knew like, well, we can just make him do whatever we want. And yeah. he kind of gave off a whatever you guys want kind of vibe, which I learned like, oh, yeah, don't do that. Like, <laughs> let, him, let the people know right from the beginning you got limits, because otherwise they'll yeah. be like, oh, oh, we can fuck you. Oh, we will fuck you hard then, you know. Uh, learning, I'm yes, learning, learning, learning. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was, it was, it was a lot. And, and especially cause like in the early days too, I was the one that did remotes in the first, uh, you know, I, I did remotes for maybe like a year and a half before he ever started doing them because it, Robert Smigel thought it was too letterman-y for, for Conan to go out. So it was like, let the kind of the dumb, dumb. And I mean, I mean that in just kind of like, I was kind of the dumb guy, you know, I mean, I wasn't. You know, I mean, I, I, that was a persona I could put on for the comic value for the show. And, like, let me go out and do the remotes. And I would sometimes do remotes. Uh, I'd do them on the weekends. And I remember there was one. And then I'd have to edit them myself because there wasn't, like, that structure yet. I was, a, I was hired oh, wow. as a writer first. And I was still expected to put, you know, fill up spots on the grid, you know, like write bits and make sure that we had enough stuff to put on the show for yeah. the first couple of years. And then I was like, you know what, fuck this, this is too much. You know, I, nobody's going to fire me now I'm on the show, you know? Um, but I remember there was one and it was like either 24 or 25 days in a row that I worked, that I was working uh, on, you know, putting that show together. Cause like I said, I'd go shoot it all weekend and then I'd come back and have to edit it until two o'clock in the morning because it would be Ooh. on the show the next day. Yeah. Oh we, my God. We killed ourselves. The early, the early days of that show, we had so much comedy. We would do like four acts of comedy. Um, just yep. because that was where we were coming from. I mean, especially Conan being a writer, it was just, that's what, and, and Smigel pushing us. It was like, we made this kind of, defensive wall of comedy while he and I figured out how to be on TV. Cause when we first got on TV, we sucked at being yeah. on TV. Ah, I look at tapes. Of, I can't look at tapes of it. I can't look at tapes of the first few shows. It's just too painful, you know? Oh. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? But anyhow, how did your own show come about? Did you start to, was it because of your segments that you were doing uh, on, on Seth? Um, we saw a slot open up at some time 
on NBC and we were like, Ooh, we should pitch. Uh, and this is shoemaker's idea. Who's the executive producer of, um, mm-hmm. late night set Shoe shoemaker is like, you should write up a proposal for a, a late night show and turn it in. And we did. And they were like, no, thank you. And then a year later, they were like, we're launching this thing called Peacock. Can we have that show you pitched? And we we're like, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. So it was Shoemaker's idea to do a late night show. But Jenny and I really thought, you know, because you turn in so many sketches. Yeah. And most of them have to go in the garbage. Yeah, yeah. So we were like, we can certainly do a once a week show for sure. Right. Especially right. if we have other writers. So we do. And it's pretty great. It's yeah. four acts of comedy mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy. Yeah. I have to stop saying that, but it's true. But no, I, I, only because know. it's once a week, man, you can yeah, do yeah. once a week. Yeah. You yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and if you, your co-host Tarek, where where I, I I don't know him. Where does he come from? Was he a Tarek is also a Bloom Chicago actor. Oh, okay. So when I got hired at Bloom Chicago the very first time, Tarek was there too. And we had just the best, you know, adventures all over Europe. It was the most fun. Yeah. And uh, you know, he also I know he has this training of where I can give him a script and be like, read this over, you have two minutes. We're Let's it's do going it. to cards. Let's go. And he'll be like, Yep. Yeah. And it does not care. You can't phase the man. You can't yeah. do it. So, yeah, it was. Y- you learn. Not everybody can do that. So he's really talented. He also does a Broadway show called Freestyle Love Supreme, which is all like freestyle rapping, but it's on Broadway. And it is a Lynn manuel Miranda show. And sometimes they have like. Wayne Brady and like special guests who can improv improvise like songs and and raps. It's the weirdest best show. Yeah. But Tarek does that show and he does our show. It's wow. really cool. Wow. Yeah. You you guys are great together. And I you know and being a fan, being for obvious reasons a fan of like two people better than one yeah. person because it yeah. is. It just it's like you got it so is. much more to do and it's just. Yeah more fun to watch. Um, and did you, did, was there ever a consideration to do interviews on this show? Because that's such a staple of most late night shows. No, absolutely not. We never thought to only because we were like, let's call it a late night show and really let it be a variety show. And then mm-hmm. by the time they figure it out, it'll be too late. But if they ever make us do more than one show a week, if I'm, if we get to keep doing the show fucking a month from now, uh-huh. I mean, let's start there. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I that know. Happen, that'd be great. Yeah. But uh, if they, if we ever did end up doing the show more nights a week, then we would have no choice. We'd have to, we'd have to start interviewing people. Yeah, because I don't know, if I couldn't do no. Oh yeah, fucking, no. 47 weeks a year, five no. days a week. Sounds insane to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so much of, I mean, and you, you know, so much of kind of your identity on Seth's show was, uh, uh, did it start with thing jokes Seth can't tell? Was that, was that sort of when you first started getting on? 
I think I started doing a bit called Amber Says What uh-huh. before that. And that was a recurring bit where I said, what in different ways in response to news stories. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I think that was before Joke Seth Can't Tell. But also before that, because we didn't start doing Joke Seth Can't Tell until Jenny worked here. And I don't think she worked here until like two or three years after the show started. Mm. So I had to be without her for that long. Um, But when she started, it was off to the races and you would just rip up whatever you could get out of your brain into a script and send it to her. And she would do the rest. She'd send you her half idea. And it was, we just created this machine that we just fit each other's brains so perfectly that it um, became such a like fun factory and when she came up with the idea for jokes Seth can't tell i thought what a fun bit to do at the read yeah and never in front of other people i thought there's no way we could do this in front of people yeah but we did yeah i'm still shocked (laughs) at the end of every one of those seth goes it's like my grandpa always said Black women and lesbians are liars. <laughs> when he said that at the table read, I laughed myself sick. And then he did it at the um, rehearsal, and I laughed. I was like, "He's he's got to stop saying that. He's going to accidentally say it in the show." And he said it in the show, and I was like, "We're dead. We're done. The show's canceled." I don't think he can say that. And the audience was like, <laughs> "Yeah, all right. You like it? I love it." Yeah, yeah. Now, I can't, um. A lot of the, you know, I mean, a lot of your, of the stuff you guys do is topical and about like really awful topics and like really dreadful topics. And I mean like full of dread topics. Um, And from my perspective, and especially coming from the comedy that I've been doing most of my life, which is absurdist, silly nonsense. And we, you know, and we were on the air before you know, there was a daily show that is kind of like the current daily show. You know what I mean? Like before topicality was seen as, you know, like serious topicality of really tackling issues in a comedic way was even done. So like if we had also, you know, if we had sort of tried to do that, I think we just would have looked, you know, we looked like we're chasing somebody's tail. But it's terrifying to me that that you guys do this because I find... So much of what's in the news, just I don't know how to make that funny. You know, I don't know how to make comedy out of George Floyd, you know, and I and I mean, is that can you speak to like that mechanism in you and I guess in Jenny, too, and and the staff to I mean. Yeah, I think it comes from like. Being black. Yeah, I was like, because, you know, you come home from work and you're like. Well, I got, like, I can remember when I got fired from a, like, I got a job at a sandwich place that will remain nameless. It's not the one you're thinking of, but the other one. Um, (laughs) And it was way out in West Omaha where all the white people were. And my parents were like, you do not want to work out there. There's too many white people. They they don't want to see you and you will be fired. And I was like, you guys are old as fuck. So I went out there. Sure enough, the, um, after like two weeks working there, the boss pulled me aside. I was like, "Your," I had braids. She was like, "Your hair is gross. 
I, uh, I think you should just straighten it, make it straight, you know, like the rest of you do. And I was like, oh no. And the next day I was fired. I came home and I was like, mom, dad, you're right. And we laughed. What what was the reason? I mean, what, what reason did they give that you couldn't (laughs) sue over or did did you just know, like, they know I'm not sued. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know. But, and they didn't give me reason. Um, they did. They said that my, um, drawers were never balanced. That's not true. Um, but you know, you gotta say something. Um, but yeah, like when you have to deal with stuff like that, you know what I mean? If you yeah. can see that as funny, then you're like, um, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, no, I, those things pile up and pile up. And if you're going to be in like some sort of, you know, paralyzed with rage over that, you're going to have a real short life. So yeah. it's, it's got to end up being, you know. Yeah, and everybody has their own version of it. Jenny said the other day, she said something that knocked me out. She was talking about how she loved her little girlfriend a million years ago. She was like, but, you know, we couldn't get married because it wasn't legal. And I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Like, that shocked my face off. I was like, oh, yeah, you just have to live like that. You go to bed, you wake up, it's still true. You can be sad all you want. It's not going to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I think that's how we, because, you know, you have to talk about all that stuff at home. And mm-hmm. Then Trump really makes you real good at it because it yeah, was so oh. hopeless for so long mm-hmm. that it just got extra funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and because it just, well, I mean, on one level, aside, you know, you this is just one aspect of it, but like racism is so stupid. Like, it's just so dumb. It just doesn't even make any sense. It, so it's the, that, that sort of just that stripe of stupidity. Trump is like a farmer that like cultivated it and made it yeah. grow. And, you know, and, and it gave a lot of, well, I don't know if they're all stupid, but a lot of people's stripe of stupidity and gave them that permission to to let it fly, you know, and I and I mean I've said this before. I mentioned this on I don't know if it was this podcast or one of the one of the many I do. Oh, um, <laughs> oh yes. Um, but you know, I grew up in a very Republican area, and and I was never really a Republican. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't anything until I kind of you know got to be a young adult and started to figure things out for myself. But you know, you'd see like a Republican road sign. 20 years ago, it's like, okay, that, you know, I probably disagree with that person. And now they just seem sinister. Like I saw, I was down by San Diego and I saw a Larry Elder yard sign. And I was just like, that might as well be Voldemort. (laughs) You know, like just the shit that Larry Elder says, it's like, how can you put that in your yard and be okay with it? It's like, it's to such an absurd level. Um, I know it's sad and it makes it extra on your brain, you know, because of people want to put their signs out in their yard like that specifically is like, ew, you keep this yuckiness alive. Whereas before you never saw it when nobody wore no hat or Mm T-shirt, you just everyone was normal until proven an idiot. And then but now it's just it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So it's. A little extra sad, yeah, but also a little extra safe because 
now I know what to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, you're I, not going to catch me. It's, 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 you know, I mean, I had the comfort of never, you know, just being a, a white male, a white cis het male that I, I might've thought like, Oh, you know, Republican, that doesn't necessarily mean racist, but now it's like, well, it's been made pretty clear that you're, you're signing on to something that now is like not even ostensibly racist. It's outwardly racist in so many ways. And, and it makes me think it didn't change. Like I was just comfortable in not in, in thinking like, Oh, there's, you know, there's just like, there's, you know, a little aspect of that. Like, no, no, there's like that Willie Horton ad. There was a reason for that Willie Horton ad. Like there was, that was the expression of something that was just there. That was like that to a certain amount, a certain lo- a number of white people is like, yep. That, I yeah. like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I, 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 when I watch your stuff, it's, I just, I can't, well, I mean, I, you know, it's like you said, there's jokes that Seth can tell, but I mean, but just, just the ability to derive joy from what is happening in the world is just really a wonderful talent and a gift for everyone. And, you know, good on you for doing it. Thank you, Andy Richter. I love you so badly. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, so what do you, do you have any big, big uh, world owning plans at this point? Or you just kind no. of going to? chug along yeah i learned not to make plans also like nothing is scarier than this because like you don't know yeah you don't is it gonna keep going is it gonna stop does it have to stop tomorrow like what is happening will this go on forever what what is this so it keeps you on your toes and i'm like i don't need to be making any other plans yeah yeah yeah, you kind of yeah. keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah. I just gotta keep chugging along, like my yeah. old friend Andy Richter says. <laughs> what are your plans? I, huh? I don't even. I listen. I'm 54. I been divorced for two years. I was married for 25. I got a 15 year old and a 20 year old. And somebody said something about you know a year from now, and I was like, I don't even fucking know. I don't have any. I'm at, like getting divorced was a big thing. You know, like if, if I hadn't gotten divorced, uh, that was a different, it would, it's a different story. Like I would have, I would have kind of known, you know, like it's when you're, when you're in a marriage, you sort of, I mean, that was one of the, and I mentioned it. I just had Aisha Tyler on and we talked a lot about divorce and uh, cause we're both failures and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, like one of the, one of the things that, you don't anticipate is it's it's like a death of a future that you were holding on to you know it was my future i had the same future in my mind for you know 25 years 27 if you you were together for two years before and that and that was like oh that future doesn't exist that future that seemed so like real like i thought about it so much like where are we going to live and what are we going to do and how are we going to you know how are the kids lives going to still be in our lives and it just mm-hmm. it goes away. So I don't know. I I've got like you know my decks have cleared, and I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 
And I and 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 very much the same way. And now now, you know, having the Conan show just ended, that's a that's another wrinkle. And I'm readjusting my mind to a freelance mindset because I was spoiled by 10 years of steady income. And I have to just calm that shrieking voice of like, I know I'm not making money, you know, <laughs> like where's the check coming from? You know, yeah. and and also getting back to not being, you know, for me, it's, I got to, now I got to figure out like what I want to do with myself. Like, mm -hmm. am I, you know, am I just going to make myself available to some other situation and devote myself to that situation? Or am I going to be an author and sort of start to write my own story? And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know which is, you know, I might not be that author. I might just be like the guy, you know, I might be a utility player and I'm, I, that, I don't have any qualms about that. I love what Ooh. I do. And I, you know, and I help out in lots of different ways. You know, I can help with the story and I can help with, you know, the dialogue and I can help with the way it looks in addition to performing. So, you know, I know how to make television. I know how to be on television. I just am not sure in what capacity it's going to be. So. How exciting. Yeah. Exciting and terrifying. Gosh, what is gonna happen? I don't know. I will. I will keep you appraised. So, um, the final of the three supposed questions. You know, it's just a, a format here. Um, what have you learned? Like, what What do you think is like the main lesson you've learned from, you know, from starting out in Omaha and ended up where you are now? I don't know. I think the main lesson I've learned is to stay open and never make a single plan. Like I certainly was not going to leave Omaha, mm -hmm. but I never thought to cut off that possibility. Right. I was just like, Hey, you know, I'm living life. Whatever happens, happens. Then once I got to Chicago, I was like, Oh, well, who the fuck knows? Now yeah. it could be literally anything in the world. Yeah. And then Amsterdam happened. I was like, Wow, did not see this coming. And yeah. then Second City Half was like, okay, never would have guessed this. Then main stage, I was like, this is it. This is the pinnacle of the back to boom Chicago. Oh my God. And then I couldn't believe I gathered enough guts to move to LA to die slow there for two years. And then I couldn't believe it when I got Seth. It, it, it's all, I would never have guessed, I would have guessed wrong at every turn in my life every last mm -hmm. turn. Mm -hmm. So I just don't, I don't have any plans for anything. And I, but I know that I'm capable of literally anything. Yeah. So I think it's all right to not have plans. Yeah. That's what I, that's, uh, you know, because, because I was, as you're sitting there saying like that, you, you know, all these, all these accomplishments, all these like places that you end up and that you wouldn't have expected it. That's, it sounds like somebody that's going, oh gosh, you know, I, I little old me, but you're not saying that you're saying, yeah, all right. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought, but I mean, but you, I can do it, but yeah. I just didn't think the world worked that way where yeah. I'd get the chance to do it, you know? Yeah. Cause you gotta, you know, you do have to believe in yourself. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard that before. <laughs> It's very helpful. Uh, revolutionary, you. Uh, what? Yeah, I've been tearing myself down daily. 
I thought that's what you were supposed to do. You're telling me. <laughs> All right, Amber, I'm going to let you get back to work. Um, okay. Do you have they, any ideas for like any topical sketches of any kind? <laughs> uh, <laughs> See now, don't you feel good? Feeling oh my pretty God. good. Yeah, I don't. I I'm going to go to the grocery store. I don't have to think about you know. From after this, I'm going to the grocery store. I don't. Oh my God! In a car. In a car. Boiled little yeah. piece of shit. I know. You're so I'm, lucky. And then I'm going to pick my daughter up from school and my dog up from daycare. Oh, that's, that's my, excellent. yeah. No topical bits. I don't have to think like, oh, let's make anti-vax funny today. Yeah. yeah. You, Sarah, are living the life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And Eddie and Richard, thank you for having me. And I love you so bad. I've loved I, you forever. Thank You're you. part of my favorite show. I love you. I love you. I love you so bad. I love you too. And uh, and and tell everybody there. I said hi, and you know, and 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 make a good show. And um and all of you out there in podcast land, thank you for listening to another episode of the Three Questions. And we will be back next week with more Amber Ruffin. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.